number 16. Gospel of John, chapter number 16. We're going to read a couple of verses right here over at the beginning and then we're going to catch the end of our main thought this afternoon. Jesus said in verse number 1, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think that he doth God a service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father, nor me. Christ is telling his disciples, this is shortly before his death, that you will suffer because of me. You will uh, be killed even because of me. That things are going to come your way in life that you're not going to understand, that you're not going to know anything about other than the fact that they are evil. And then he said, it's all going to happen because you are followers of me. And he goes on and tells his disciples uh, in verse number 7, he said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And then when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus is talking about the, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. He said whenever he comes, there, there's some things that's going to happen. There's some things that he's going to do for you. And I want to jump over and, and catch verse number 32 and 33. We're going to catch our main thought from tonight. Verse number 32, he said, Behold, hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered. Every man to his own shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that you might have peace in the world. In the world you, might, uh, have, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus said, I overcometh, that ye shall be scattered. There's a lot of people that say that, that God, God only uses saved people. And I just don't necessarily believe that. I believe that God uses everything and everybody. I think that he can put a deer in the front of somebody's truck to slow them down to keep them out of an accident down the road. Because that is how mighty of a God that we serve. So to say that God can only use something, somebody, because of a situation or state that they find themselves in, or even only because they are saved and this other person is not, I believe is, is putting God in a box and God does not belong there. And, and so God, Jesus is telling his disciples, he said, you're going to suffer. It's coming. Get ready. He said, our is coming that you're going to be scattered. Do you, does anybody know in history what happened immediately following the death of Jesus by about 100 years? Several hundred years, maybe. Israel and Jerusalem was conquered three times in the thousand years following Jesus' death. And every time they were conquered, things and people were hauled away out of Jerusalem, north into, uh, into Persia and south into Egypt and, and down into Africa and then uh, east into China. People and things and ideas and the gospel were hauled all over the place. And Jesus said that the hour is coming that ye shall be scattered. And what he was referring to here is that his disciples were going to leave him whenever he was crucified. Whenever they came to the garden to get him, Peter stood up and defended him. And then they took him. And everybody left. All his disciples, all of his followers, all of his friends, all of his family, everybody left. And they were nowhere to be found. They were scattered at that point because persecution had come. Following Jesus' death, Whenever he uh, was resurrected, he told the disciples, he said, I want you to go. 
He said, I want you to go. I want you to live for me. I want you to witness to me. I want you to take my words into the world. And throughout the book of Acts, you see all the disciples staying right there around Jerusalem. You see everybody staying right there where they were supposed to be. Does anybody, have you ever wondered why God allowed Saul to be the way he was? Y'all know what Saul's goal was? Saul's goal was to go find every Christian he could and whoop them until they couldn't breathe anymore. That's what Saul's goal was. He just wanted to destroy them all. You know what that did? That scattered them. What happens whenever somebody comes looking for you and you don't want to be found? When kids play hide and seek, you have this thing that's called base, right? When you get back to base, you're safe. But what happens whenever they say, okay, go hide, I'm going to start counting. Do the kids sit down right beside base and say, I bet you can't find me here? No. They go as far out as the boundaries can go and they try to find a safe place to be. And that's the same thing that happened to people as Paul, as Saul began to look for and hunt. And, and, and I believe that God used Saul as a lost man to scatter the church to spread his gospel. I believe that God used the, the conquering of Jerusalem immediately following Jesus' death to scatter and to spread his gospel. I believe that God used the crusades and the wars down through time to scatter his gospel, to bring his people, to bring his word to every corner of the earth because that was the commission of the church and whenever the church didn't do it, we know that God don't need us to accomplish his will. He wants to use us, but he don't need us. God did it anyway. And he told his people, he said, you're going to be scattered, but you're going to be persecuted. He says, he said, you shall be put out of the synagogue. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever shall kill you will think that he does God a service. He said people will be proud to put to death a disciple of God. And Jesus said, Behold, the hour cometh. Every man to his own shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Now I want to grab a hope to this, the end of this verse right here. He said, no matter how many people leave me, no matter how many people forsake me, no matter how discouraged or run down or, or out of my mind I may get, no matter how bad a shape I may find myself in physically, emotionally, it doesn't matter. The Father is with me. And he said, these things that I spoken unto you, verse number 33, these things that I spoken unto you, that you might have peace. How easy is it? To have peace. Do we ever really have peace? Last night I finally got to bed about midnight shortly thereafter. In just a few minutes, I say just a few minutes, before 1 a.m., Brady starts crying. He's hungry. So Emily gets up, gets him a bottle together, feeds him. Just a few more minutes, Bailey comes walking in the room, got her blanket around her, her little dog named Princess in her arms. Emily says, Bailey, what are you doing? She said, she said, sleep in here? Emily said, no, go back to bed. So she turned around. Instead of going back through the door toward her room, she turned and went into Emily's closet. Laid down on the rug, went to sleep, sacked out. About 1.30. 2.30 a.m., dog starts barking, cutting up right outside the door. Wakes Bailey up again. She comes into the bedroom. Sleep in here? Emily said, no, go back to your bed. So she laid down right there on the floor. So I got up, picked her up, took her, and laid her down back in the bed. About an hour later, Brady woke up again. Needed to burp. Had something going on. Just couldn't get right. This was 3 a.m. 4 o'clock, guess who comes walking in the room with her blanket again? 
it seemed like every time that we would get our eyes good and closed, somebody woke up. But beginning at about 6 a.m. this morning, guess who wanted to sleep through Sunday school? Both of them. They both fell good and asleep, and we had to wake them up at 9 o'clock just to be here for 10. Sometimes peace escapes us. Sometimes we just can't get it for nothing. And I'm not talking about just going to sleep peace. I'm talking about every type of peace that you can fathom. I'm talking about spiritual peace. Sometimes that can escape us. Whenever we begin to to question God, whenever we begin to doubt God, whenever we begin to wonder if God is on our side, whenever we begin to wonder like Elijah, God, am I the only one left? Whenever we begin to wonder like David, God, why is this happening to me? What is going on? And peace begins to flee from us. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you might have peace. So whenever peace escapes us, do we go back into God's Word to find it again? Because a lot of times we'll look all over for peace. But we'll never look to the Prince of Peace. We'll never look back to Jesus. He said, these things have I spoken unto, uh, unto you, that in me you might have peace. That is the only place that peace comes from. That is it. And I want to kind of grab a hold to the end of this verse too. Verse number 33, he said, In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The first thing I want to look at is our sphere of influence. That's what they call it whenever you have the opportunity or the ability to influence the things, the people around you. They call your immediate surroundings, the people you're in contact with all the time, the people that you can really have an influence on, they call that a sphere of influence. And whenever someone respects you, looks up to you, you have an influence over them, good, bad, or indifferent. We're all a leader. And we're going we're gonna to lead people, we're going to influence people, either good or bad, either for God or against God. Our sphere of influence is what Jesus said in the world. We are not called to be hermits. We are not called to live like the world. We're called to live in the world. We can't avoid the world. We can't avoid people that disagree with us. We can't avoid people that live contrary to the Bible. They are here. They are in our community. They are in our families. They are all over. People that disagree with the Bible, people that say God does not exist, people that say we're reading the wrong Bible, people that say that we're doing it wrong and our doctrine is wrong and our theology is wrong and, and everything else is backwards and crooked and all messed up there everywhere. There's no avoiding them. But in our, in our sphere of influence, in our world, Jesus said, ye shall have suffering. Our sphere of influence becomes our source of suffering. Friends are going to cause us suffering. Family is going to cause us suffering. People around us, people that are close to us, people that don't even know us are going to cause us suffering if we live for God or if we don't. But especially if we live for God, we shall suffer. It's coming. If everything is going your way, what's the man on the radio say? If everything is going your way, look out. You're in the wrong lane. Every man is in one of two places. We're either coming out of trouble or getting going into trouble. That's the only two places that we're going to find ourselves. Is going out of trouble or coming into trouble. And because of that, Jesus said, Ye shall have tribulation. But I mentioned this morning, we always look for that but. There's a colon immediately following tribulation, which means there's an explanation coming. 
He said, but be of good cheer. How in the world are we supposed to be of good cheer whenever somebody is whooping and beating on us? Remember the story of Stephen? How he died? Stephen stood up and declared Jesus. He called the people vipers. He called them out on their sin. And they started gnashing on him with their teeth and started whooping him and beating him and, and biting him. I'll be honest with you. I can take people hitting me. And I've took it all my life, people hitting me and talking about me. But if somebody bites me, <laughs> I'm not sure how much I can take that. I'm not sure how much I can take somebody biting me. They bit him. They took him out of the city and they stoned him. And the whole while they were stoning him, he was looking to God. So where is our source of comfort? We know that in this world, our source of suffering is our, is our sphere of influence. Our source of suffering is everybody and everything that we're around. It's like walking out there on the asphalt. You're not going to go out there barefooted and not burn your feet. It's not going to happen. You're not going to walk out there anyway and, and be comfortable. You're going to walk out there and you're going to do the same thing Bailey says every time we walk outside. Woo-wee, it's hot. That's what she says. You know why? Because I said it one time. And it caught. It stuck. She walks out there and she says, Woo, it's hot. We're going to suffer regardless. And I'm not saying that this heat is suffering. But we're going to suffer in this world. Whether it's physically, whether it's emotionally, whether it's spiritually. It's coming. But the secret to our comfort, the source of our comfort, is Jesus said, In me, you might have peace. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He gives us a source of a source of cheer. He gives us a source of joy. And then he makes a promise at the end. He made a promise of victory. And that song that I brought up this morning. The things that I'm afraid of are afraid of God. The things that can hurt me, the things that can destroy me, the things that I'm scared of, Satan, his army, the things that are against us are scared of God. The things that I'm afraid of are afraid of God. And whenever Jesus said, I have overcome the world, this is an assurance. This is a promise of victory that we can have, not just because we're such good fighters, because spiritually we aren't good fighters. We aren't. We make terrible spiritual soldiers. Jesus said, in me, you have cheer. And it's that same in me that we have victory. It's that same in me. It's that same in Christ that we have that assurance. He said, I have overcome the world. Where do we put our faith and trust today? What is our source of joy? Where does it come from? What makes us happy? What gets us excited? What fires us up? How do we? How does it happen? How do we do it? Do we just come to church and sit down and same old, same old? Or do we have a source of joy whenever we open up God's Word and read about what He has done? 
about the promises that He makes, about the assurances that He gives, about the good cheer that we're supposed to have in Jesus, who we say that we have believed in, and yet we let everything else in this world take our joy. What is it we believe? Do we believe in Jesus? There's a couple of different ways of believing in Jesus. First is salvation. That's the most important. It begins there. But immediately following salvation, most people have what's called a crisis of faith. And that crisis of faith begins whenever the world begins to attack them. The hour comes that they are scattered. The hour comes that the world begins to show up. The hour comes that the battle begins. And instead of looking at Jesus, they say, Oh, I can take this on. I can do it. I have big shoulders. I can take care of it. I can whoop it. Spiritually, we can't whoop anything. We just can't do it. We're like that old Tom and Jerry show whenever Tom keeps walking up to the wreck and the wreck hits him in the face. He turns around, he walks this way and the wreck hits him in the face. That's what we look like whenever we try to spiritually fight our own battles. We're just walking back and forth between wrecks that keeps jumping up and hitting us in the head. If we are the knuckleheads that choose to fight our spiritual battles on our own, then we deserve to get hit in the head with a wreck. How do we fight our battles? Where do we go to for victory? Because anything outside of Jesus is defeat. He said, these things I I say unto you so that you might have peace. These things I speak unto you so that you might have peace. Our joy comes from Christ. Our victory comes from Christ. Our peace comes from Christ. It's all. It's all from Him. But we have to let him fight that battle. We have to take it to him. We have to believe him. The disciples were scattered. The prophets in the Old Testament were scattered. They were beaten. They were whooped. They were torn. Jesus was mounted up on a cross with nails in his hands and his feet. People poking holes in him with a spear. I know all the time we, 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 we kind of say it like it ain't nothing. They pierced his side. They poked a hole in him with a piece of metal. And I'm not talking about a safety pin needle. These spears had eight inch heads on them that, that at the base were four inches wide. And they poked a hole in him with a spear. And he still sat up on that cross and said, Father, forgive him. He still sat up on that cross and instead of calling them 10,000 angels, he said, I commend, commend my life into your hands, God. I am yours. Judge me. He sat in the garden and he prayed, if, there, if it be possible, if there is another way, God, let this cup pass. He knew what was coming. As Christians, we should know what is coming. We should know that we're going to suffer. But whenever the suffering comes, we don't look for a way out. We look to Christ that is already overcoming. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And my prayer to God is that we can look to Him for that. That we can look to Him for our joy. That we can look to Him for our peace. That we can look to Him for everything. You see, He is the beginning. And He is the end. Well, we have a verse for a song. We're going to ask for...